Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Money, part of the show where I get tips on how you can grow your savings, make smart investments, spot the latest trends on the stock market. Today, we are going to learn how to retire early. I cannot be more excited. I'm speaking with Benjamin Chua. He's just passed me a copy of his book, Hot Off the Press. He's a HR professional and investor and author of a brand new book called Buffett on Fire, a practical guide to achieving your financial freedom using the Buffett way. Welcome, Benjamin. Hi, Michelle. Nice to be here. Good to have <laughs> you on the show. So FIRE, the FIRE model, F-I-R-E, stands for Financial Independence, Retire Early. We're going to go through the model and we're going to go through the blueprint of how you can do this in the quickest possible manner. Okay, Benjamin, tell us a little bit about your own journey with FIRE. How has this way of thinking benefited your finances? Okay, so I mean, it all started, I think, back, uh, you know, when I was serving my national service. And, you know, back then, there's always this book about, you know, the rich dad, poor dad. So yeah. that was like the starting point, you know, put a seed in, in my mind. But years later, I mean, actually, uh, when I was in university, that's when I actually, you know, uh, meet up with uh, people of like-minded who actually started, you know, to show me, you know, what, uh, you know, their, their brokerage account, what they could do, you know, with the stock market increasing. And of course, you know, from then on, actually, I picked up, had a lot of learnings. Uh, uh, I mean, from uh, Mr. Warren Buffett himself, he has plenty of books out there. But I think personally, it recent, I actually got to be in, a, you know, have a close interactions with um, one of his, uh, I think his ex-daughter-in-law, Mary Buffett, and actually acquired a lot of the, the learnings and behind the whole value investing strategy. So they actually planted a lot of things, uh, you know, w- uh, within me that got me to see how I actually can envision my retirement plan being uh, accelerated at a much uh, fast. So you started period. being in- interested in investing when you were in NS? Yes. And you started reading books by the Buffetts? Correct, Yes. Self-taught investor, would you say? Um, hope so. And also, I mean, I mean uh, learning from a lot of people as well, right? But of course, self-taught, yes, as you can Mostly. put it. <laughs> okay, now tell us a bit about your finances. Quite impressive. Okay. <laughs> so actually, I mean, uh, that also started. But also, that was also the period that I was also kind of like, you know, um, you know, you reach a point where you're also trying to, you know, get married, settle down, things like that. So I think that also uh, got me to, to start that, you know, to plan my uh, finance out, uh, you know, properly, right? And then to, you know, to actually... Uh, um, you know, achieve like, you know, more than, uh, and I think 100,000 even before, way before uh, 30. And also, of course, you know, you know, you have to settle like weddings and things like expenses, all this going in, right? Your house, right? And at the moment, you, you know. You saved 100,000 before you, you were it, Yeah, even, even before that. But of course, but right now, I think over at this present moment, definitely managing over, I think, uh, like a six-digit uh, investment portfolio, right? Wow. Six-figured investment portfolio. Love the sound of that. Help us understand the concept of FIRE, financial Independence retire early that you talk about in your book. So actually, this whole fire concept, um, I mean, it's not actually totally new because in fact it started, I think, all the way back in like I think 1992. I think it was actually in a book by I think Your Money and Your Life. I think by this Vicky Robinson. So that was back then. But I think along the way, you know, there have been like variations, and of yeah. course now with the social media, you know, the hypes, right? You know, in the US, you can see a lot of young people retiring at like 30. In fact, it's a movement that requires a huge discipline. You know, that the person actually has to save up to almost 70 percent of your income, right? And you're actually hoping that by doing so. 
you can actually try to uh, achieve, you know, example, like, um, let's say a 1 million ballpark figure, you know, that's almost about, on average, about 30 times your annual expenses, right? And you're hoping to actually draw down from that, you know, using, um, you know, either you can put it into some uh, dividends, uh, stocks or portfolio, you know, at about like 4 or 5% per year. And hopefully that can actually, you know, bring you through the rest of your life from 40 or 50 years onwards. So depending, right? But essentially, this is the whole FIRE concept that has been actually going around on, on the internet or in the, the market, yeah. So it starts with paying yourself first, saving up to 70% of your income. Yes. Did you do that? At the moment, currently, in fact, that's what actually what I'm actually doing. Close to about that, that percentage. So which I'll share more later, some of the secrets. <laughs> yes, please yes. do. Okay, uh, share with us the common investment strategies associated with FIRE. So, you know, when it comes to investment strategies, I think there's plenty out there. Um, but, you know, for myself, actually, I like to always take the so-called well and tested uh, route. And in fact, when I look out there, who else more better than actually Mr. Warren Buffett himself? If you look at him today, he's, he has a net worth of almost close to about 85 uh, billion uh, US dollars. He's being valued at that. His company, Berkshire uh, Hathaway, if you look at the past almost like 50 years, has average compounded uh, returns of almost about tw- uh, 20% on average. And in fact, we, so when we hear from Mr. Warren I mean Buffett himself, he has actually spoken a couple of few strategies and it actually goes across a spectrum depending on whether you're a passive investor or active investor. So supposedly you're a passive investor, the strategy that, that actually I recommend is more on index investing. Right, so index investing, if you to look at that, um, give you an example, if you have invested almost about $1,000 in the S&P 500 index fund um, back in the 1940s, that's all, that was about the same year that Buffett himself invested in his first stock. By today, you would have already generated almost $5 million. Right, just one thousand dollars invested in an S and P five hundred index, and that would have given you about uh, about five million dollars. That's almost about close to twelve percent returns, right? By just doing, you know, you know nothing about stocks, but you can just invest into an index fund. And just some quick takeaways for Singaporeans is that unfortunately, the STI, um, you know, has actually quite a bit of a slow growth. So if I mean, if you're really into index investing, I would really suggest you know you could actually buy. I think uh, the follow the uh, US S and P five hundred. You know, some of the quotes would be like the the Vanguard S and P five hundred or the iShares core S&P 500 ETFs, uh, exchange uh, traded funds, right? Um, and you can easily get about like um, average about 10 to 12%, right? By just buying an index that, you know, you just have to invest uh, diligently over time, just keep buying into the index fund. So this is actually one strategy for people who, let's say, they, they really don't, they don't want to spend too much time looking into stocks. Yes. Moving on, as you move up the ladder, so then I think that's where the portion that actually a lot of related to, to the FIRE program is when we want to get some kind of a dividend, income strategy, right, as we call it, um, that is actually the dividend strategy. And for the purpose, I think I'll keep it, I think, to within, within the Singapore uh, market. Reason being is that because, um, in fact, the Singapore uh, investment uh, landscape is very well suited for dividends investing. Reason being, there's actually, you don't have any taxes on dividends. There's no capital appreciation tax as well. Uh, nothing like that. And essentially, if you look at dividends uh, companies, mm. right, what we really like about them is that they tend to be mature, strong companies with a very good, uh, solid track portfolio, right? Over the years, they've been paying out dividends. And then I think it's it's appealing to not only just like, you know, um, you know, it can be young people. It also can be also suitable for people at a much uh, older age, right? Because, you know, they, they give out very uh, good streams of income. Um, you know, just some quick tips. So let's say for the Singapore market, we can look at some blue chip companies, right? Uh, often they are like large and stable. And, you know, we can always look out at their dividend payout uh, ratio, 
this also gives a strong indicator of some of their business uh, performance, you right? You say 50% or more. Yes. So that's one thing to look at is that instead of the payout ratio, try to take note. I mean, um, yes, we want it ab- above that 50%, but when we are looking at it, um, make sure that the company also don't try to over-promise and deliver. I mean, uh, recently, we have some, seen some cases like, say, Starhub and things like that, when they actually, their dividend payout ratio was also close to 100%. It means to say that for every dollar that they earn, they're actually paying out. So, it, you know, it's actually very quite risky for the company. So try to make sure that even though we are looking at dividends, uh, EU company, but we want to make sure that it's sustainable. Yeah, the key word is make sure, making sure that it's sustainable in the long run. So you see, you should also look at companies that have a low capital expenditure. Yes. Right? Right. And stable growing cash flow. Yes. In the book, actually, when I talk about that is basically what we're trying to say is that this was also shared by Mr. Uh, I mean, uh, Buffett. Warren Buffett himself. Mm-hmm. It was that try to avoid companies that actually have too much heavy uh, invested uh, capital. It means that, you know, when the external environment is changing and things like that, the company might be a bit slow to evolve because they have too much capital uh, expenditure, you know, uh, actually locking down the, the company. So, example, give, give you some example. Um, in Singapore, is that uh, example companies in like maybe could be like the logistics or example in the airline industry, right, where they actually can incur quite a huge amount of capital expenditure. <laughs> As we can see, I mean, the, the stock price also has not been sharing too much. Example like the SIA and things like that. But mm. but, but in Singapore, I think um, generally strong blue chip companies with uh, good dividend payout, good strong performance, uh, probably lies in I think the banking industry as we can see, like you know, like the DBS, OCBC, right, and things like that. Yeah. So you okay. mentioned we were going through three common investment strategies. We we've covered first two. two. We've got yes. one more. Yes, and this is actually the one of the key highlights, the hallmark uh, strategy, which actually, in fact, um, I'm deploying a lot of this strategy in my own portfolio, and that is actually value investing. All right. So value investing. In this case, in fact, value investing, what, it, what is so special about it, in fact, by what Mr. Warren Buffett shared himself is two things, essentially, what we're looking at. First one is, how do we identify what are the strong companies out there that we can actually buy? So you actually work out a wish list. And actually, the second part is that, at what good price, fair price, that we can actually uh, purchase these strong companies, either fair or undervalued. And the beauty of this value investing is what Mr. Uh, Buffett himself has actually been practicing that actually generated his company, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, almost 20% on compounded interest. Example, um, back then when he invested one million US dollars, a billion dollars, sorry, uh, in Coca-Cola back then. Mm-hmm. And today, his shareholdings in Coca-Cola is valued as close to about $18 billion. Well, the thing is, we want to find our own Coca-Colas today. So where do we look for this information? Okay, so when it comes to actually investing information, actually there's lots of free information on the internet, right? So personally, myself, actually I use uh, actually there's a couple of uh, free internet resources, you know, Yahoo Finance, uh, Morningstar.com, very powerful website that actually can captures, you know, like the past history of all uh, the financial informations about such companies, right? But having said that about value investing, um, uh, do take note that, you know, I also like to stress this is that, you know, always do a due diligence. Um, you know, uh, we don't want to just blindly copy what uh, uh, Mr. Warren Buffett is actually investing to because the stocks that he has already invested in, you know, uh, currently it's, it might be overpriced. So, we, you know, you might have already missed the boat. But nonetheless, we can actually follow his investing uh, uh, methodologies, you know, and to, to actually to apply in the current context. Okay, so you're saying don't do a copy and paste of Warren Buffett's current portfolio. Yes. So right now, if you just go and go off and just buy like, um, you know, Coca-Cola and things like that, right? Actually, you know, you might have already missed the boat years back, right? So, we, you know, you wouldn't want to just go into that. But his strategy in terms of finding, um, you know, uh, strong companies, which are, Lisa, I will share, right, on how we can identify them. 
Oh, we certainly will, for sure. Okay, so we've covered three common investment strategies. Tell me, what are the biggest obstacles potentially to achieving financial independence and retiring early, the FIRE model that you're talking about? So, I mean, uh, personal um, experience as well, uh, going through the whole journey, I think essentially it is three main ones. And I think the very first is always going back to the whole uh, mindset, right? I mean, especially, let's say, you know, in, in Singapore, right? You know, most of us, you know, especially uh, young people, you're coming out, getting a career going and things like that. You know, the tendency is for us to always, you know, we focus on, you know, a lot of uh, material things, right? And things like that. You know, but essentially, if you're able to actually correct that mindset, um, just you know, focusing on the long term, being able to delay, uh, you know, self-gratification, uh, right? Mm. And we can actually, you know, being able to enjoy the fruits of our labor, you know, um, you don't even need to wait till like you're 60, you know, even like, you know, in your 30s, 40s, yeah. you can start to, you know, to embrace, you can start to enjoy the returns. And then moving on, the second one is actually on uh, expenses that's on like a day-to-day, which, um, you know, initially when I, when I started, I realized that a lot of things that I was just, you know, um, buying as simple as getting a Starbucks coffee every day or, you know, subscribing to Netflix and things like that. So there are a lot of this like uh, small NCBC bits of expenses that, you know, I really strongly encourage uh, people to really relook. Take, take some time, you know, go through, you know, your one month of expenses, find out all the areas that you could possibly uh, try to reduce, you know, even just coffee, things like that. And of course, what I will always stress, personally, I prefer to spend my money on experiences like travel, time your family, rather than getting material things. So that's one, that's one. And the last one, very important, right? We talk about saving all that, but the final one is actually on how do you increase the returns on your investment? I think a lot of times, you know, what we see is that um, in Singapore, they end up people, they take advice from their, could be their friends, you know, um, mm. could be someone on the street, some advisor, things mm. like that, and end up, you know, they buy into investment products that either have, uh, you know, too much of uh, transaction fees, commission fees, and that actually erodes away all your, your investment portfolio. And also on the same time, people also, sometimes people might look into like short-term uh, gains and, you know, end up, it becomes very risky. Instead, look at investment uh, products or in strategies, example, like, you know, value investing, dividend st- strategies that it takes a longer, uh, you know, horizon, but you're looking into the long term and you're looking at sustainable returns over a long period of time by actually uh, minimizing, you know, reducing all those transaction fees, commission fees, you are definitely putting yourself in a good position to enjoy uh, better returns. Ben, did you eschew the usual route for gaining money in Singapore as a property route? So mm. as a young man, did you choose intentionally investing over property? When I was looking, looking back, um, I mean, um, at this current moment, because part of my strategy right now is actually to increase more of uh, uh, capital appreciation. So I'm actually looking more at the investment uh, yield, the returns, and uh, that is actually uh, more towards the investment stock portfolio. Really? Mm. Right. So, you know, of course, you know, in Singapore, definitely we know that, you know, you can invest in properties, but uh, when you compare both, uh, both are actually different asset class. So you look at it, yes, right? Yes, yes. I just asked this question because I'm increasingly finding people who have told me that they have created their wealth by looking away from that traditional model in Singapore of, you know, buy your first property, then flip it, and then buy a bigger property and flip it, and then get two properties. So I just wanted to know a little bit about your own personal approach to growing wealth. So in fact, you know, you're right to say that that was actually the traditional uh, model. But as you can tell recently, I mean, the Singapore government is stepping in, right? You know, um, this cloth cooling measures. There's like all those additional buyer stamp duties, things like that. So mm. in fact, it's getting harder to flip your, your, your property and there's lots of huge uh, debt uh, leverage, right, on that. And of course, you know, what Mr. Uh, Warren Buffett himself has shared, right? We always try to reduce that you want to put yourself in a situation where you occur too much debt. And that's why personally, I prefer uh, right now, Part of my actually my wealth is actually grown through my investment portfolio. 
Okay. Right. Now, you promised to take us a little bit more into Buffett's strategy and methodology. What do you want to share with us today about, um, I suppose, picking a stock? The key is how do you find those undervalued or fair-valued stocks? Right? With regards to that value investing strategy, I think let's all, let's all go back to the rule number one. Right, I mean by Mr. Buffett himself is always never to lose money. And rule number two is never forget rule number one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if you look at, you know, generally how uh, Mr. Buffett, how he invests, is he's in fact a collector of business. He's not just buying, you know, into just uh, stocks or paper, you know, things like that. But he's really looking to how, if, if, I, if I'm investing today, am I able to actually hold on to the stock? I'm willing to invest in something for the next 10 years. Supposing the stock market closes down, I'm able to actually hold on to that, right? And so essentially how I, I actually go about to look at stocks, let's say it could be in the Singapore but for myself, actually, I invest more into the U.S. market because of the growth and things like that. First, let's look at, you know, when, you, when we are looking at, at companies, I think first off, always let's look at whether do they have growth, strong growth earnings, right? So I think that's that really one. And that you can actually tell that in terms of the return in its invested capital, or you can look in terms of the, the returns on its uh, equities, ROE, right? Things like that, which you can actually fire off those, those financial websites that I shared earlier on, right? So looking at that. Second, I think what we really want to look at at these companies is that, um, you know, we want to make sure that they have a strong track record. So again, um, you know, I know nowadays sometimes, you know, people, you know, we can just jump into buying IPOs, but, you know, personally, I, I wouldn't do that. I prefer to look at companies with a strong track. They have at least almost more than 10 years, uh, you know, being, in, uh, being listed. So you, at least you can see the data. Right, mm-hmm. you can see that there's a nice. Pot. Hopefully, we can see a growing trend upwards, and that gives you an indication of the business performance, whether the company is earning healthily, things like that. So that's usually the kind of indications first. How but- to identify strong companies, right? Uh, and an example. So you know, it could be. I mean, the US, uh, you know, example like uh, Apple, Facebook, things like. That. So they have very strong fundamentals. The second part to it, how do you identify? And I think the, in, that's what we call valuation. What price, right? So you know, some you know, in the uh, you know, sometimes people we might just go for you know. It doesn't mean that if it's cheap, it's good, right? Uh, personally, I mean, um, we always prefer to buy a company at a fair price, right? But you're able to generate good a good business, a strong business at a fair price, rather than buying you cheap know, uh, uh, yeah, correct, buying a, a fair business at a cheap cheap price. Yes, correct, mm-hmm. right? And what we can actually look at, you know, is pr- probably we can look at the the price to earnings uh, uh, growth, sure. right? PG, right? So there, okay. usually I look at that. If it's close to about about one, it means that it's more fair or un, un, undervalued, right? So these are just some uh, indicators, uh, you know, quick tips that you can you know you can immediately apply when you're trying to filter through some of the companies that you know can go with the value invest. Strategy. Is there a, a way that we can sort of accelerate this fire process once we've got some of it going? Okay, so this is the, the best part where, you know, let's say we're already on track. So how can we actually fine-tune? And I think it also uh, probably goes back to just some of what I was sharing. I mean, um, essentially, I think two components, right? I think uh, one is uh, really about um, trying to, you know, either you can uh, reduce expenses as well as sharing. So really, you know, looking through, um, again, you know, your whole entire current, uh, you know, expenditure, things like that, mm. um, right? Try to reduce reduce, we are saying, you know, um, you know, small expenses uh, here and there, right? Of course, you know, um, you know, things you can easily, you know, uh, look at, example, like, are you paying too much for your insurance, you know, things like that, you know, are you putting your money in a, in a, in a good bank account, right? So that's actually just one, which I'll, I'll just keep it short over there. But I think the second one really, as well as I've been sharing so far, is really nowadays for people to really relook at their investing strategy. You know, are you putting your money into like, uh, example, like a unit trust, you know, or, or like a, a mutual funds, which actually there's lots of uh, high transaction uh, 
fees and things like that, right? So instead, I'll, you know, going back to what I was sharing earlier on, even if let's say you're a passive investor, right? By just switching over and just putting your, your money into an index fund, you're able to generate almost close to about 12, 12% uh, uh, returns, which is already so much higher than on average if you're to put into even like an investment link uh, fund or a mutual fund. About, what, four, I've six got a per, question for you, percent. Ben. Yes. Which investment product would you recommend someone new to investment who can only afford a monthly amount of max 300 or one of 1K to 3K? Assuming, let's say a person, you know, you're quite new to in investing, right? I mean, let's say if you're really a person, very passive in, investor, right? Um, you know, maybe you don't even want to, you know, buy the 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 the, the investment products yourself on a brokerage. You can actually uh, use what they call it nowadays a robot advisor. Very common nowadays, right? Yep. So you just have to choose on the market. You know, automatically deducts a certain amount, one thousand or three thousand, depending what what you are comfortable with, and it goes into buying different market indexes over a long period of time. So in a very quick, easy way, you're actually diversifying across a span of uh, different uh, markets and index funds. So that's one. And of course, as what I was sharing on, if you're able to just put in a little bit of effort, you know, just setting up a brokerage account and buying the index fund directly yourself, ETF, the market index ETF fund yourself, you also can just generate that, you know, that 10 to 12% average rate I was talking about, the S&P 500. So another question, how do I invest in the S&P 500? So you basically open a brokerage account. Yes. So, okay. So um, typically you can actually just um, open, you know, brokerage in, in a Singapore brokerage account, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for myself, because I, you know, I invest in the US market, so I prefer to actually open up with a US brokerage account. So I make sure I'm using TD M trades, right? Um, they actually have very, uh, very low transaction fees, mm. right? Which, as well, stressing earlier on, right? So you just go in. You can actually just type in the code, which I think I was sharing. Either I think it's IVV. I think there's an iShare call S and P five hundred. Yep, just type in the code and you just click. How many shares do you do you want to purchase? And that's that's it. But that that is only I was saying. Just a little bit of effort, just go into the brokerage account. But for yes. people who totally, you know, I have friends who also tell me, Ben, you know, I I really don't even know how to set up brokerage. <laughs> then yes. yes, then you know, then I will say, uh, you know, uh, robo advisor uh-huh. probably. Yep, you just go in and then, but but, but make sure. But yeah. keep an eye on those fees. Yes, those always. Transaction fees. Yes, correct. Especially in the more I think challenging market, as we can tell, right in the future. Future, I think every little saving of even on a transaction fee or brokerage fee goes a very long way. Yes. yes. So just put in a little effort. Tune in to us on Money and Me every weekday at 10, 10 a.m. or pick up Benjamin's brand new book. Actually, they're not exclusive. You can do both. Buffett on Fire, a practical guide to achieving your financial freedom using the Buffett Wave. Thank you so much for joining us. Benjamin Chua right here on Money and Me. I'm Michelle Mutt. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.